everyone who's on your list is interested, at least in a general way, in you, your business, your content. But I like to break that down and say, okay, well, imagine if you were at a conference, right? And anyone at the conference, let's say it's a marketing conference. Well, they're all there to learn about marketing. But then you have different breakout rooms where maybe one room is talking about SEO, a different one is talking about pay-per-click, another one is email marketing. So everyone at the conference is generally interested in marketing, but then there's specific interests. Well, your email list, I like to think about it in the same way. How would you break those people up into these little different breakout rooms where the messaging is going to be different? It's going to be more relevant to their interests because no matter what your business is, you can probably think about the different groups within your list that are more interested in one thing than another. And that could be maybe slightly less around the topic and it could be their experience level or it could be the way they frame that problem. So it doesn't have to just be around the topics, but you would speak to different groups in a meaningfully different way. Welcome to Scale Your Course. If designing and delivering a scalable course has got you feeling overworked, overwhelmed, and just plain tapped out, you're not alone. I'm Tracy Sheriff, and in this podcast, you'll listen to a combination of solo episodes and powerhouse interviews, where we'll share tips, strategies, and insider insights into how you can successfully design and deliver a scalable course. Prepare to reach your next level business goals without compromising your health and wealth with the Scale Your Course podcast. Welcome back, Joe, to Scale Your Course. I really thought that there was so much value in in our first conversation that I'm really excited about today because we're going to dive into some more advanced strategy. And um, I really think that this is needed, so needed because it's a thing that people get super overwhelmed with is understanding how they can leverage email and move their business forward in a way that feels good, but doesn't take up all of their time and energy to do it. So why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about you? I know you've done that in part one. And for those of you who haven't listened to part one, please go back. Let's just start there. Introduce yourself again to the Scale Your Course audience. Well, it's, it's a pleasure to be back. And uh, yeah, I'll give a little brief intro again. So my name is Joe Kearns. I run an email marketing agency called Magic Marketing. And for the last six years or so, we've focused on helping a lot of personal brands, course creators, podcasters, really just people who focus on developing content, develop more evergreen email marketing systems. We saw so many creators getting burnt out on just having social media as their primary channel and not leveraging email marketing enough uh, that we saw so much opportunity to help them get the most out of their content, build better relationships with their audience, and really generate significantly more revenue because email is an incredibly powerful tool for relationships and conversion. So ever since then, it's been really focused on, hey, you've got all this great content you've created. How do we help really extend the lifespan of that? Because that's honestly where a lot of people get overwhelmed is they're spending so much time creating, 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 but then it just fades away after a day or two. And it can feel like kind of an endless hamster wheel that you're caught on. But the beautiful thing about using other marketing channels like email is you can extend that lifespan of your content to years. It has so much value to your audience, but it can just get lost. Um, so that's really where we like to focus is how do we help prevent burnout for creators, help them really deliver the most value to their audience from the content they've already created and systematize it so that it can kind of run on autopilot much more effectively. Awesome. The burnout is real. I see mm -hmm. it everywhere. I hear about it. It is a real, real thing. So I think in our part one, we talked more about more beginner strategies. We looked at some onboarding and, and just some ways to kind of hook people in and really give them a quick result. And today we're going to focus more on the advanced strategy. But I guess the question that comes up for me is, how do we know it is an advanced strategy? Like where does your, the line move from beginner to an advanced email creator? Yeah, and that's a fantastic question. And of course, there's no you know one threshold between beginner and advanced. But the way that I do like to think about it is most of the more beginner strategies involve creating linear automations. And by that, I mean it's pretty much step one, step two, step three. So they sign up for my, my email list, they get a welcome email, 
wait a day, they get a second email, wait a day, another email. And it's pretty much just a linear process without very much variability or personalization. The point at which I would say you start to get more advanced is where it becomes a dynamic process. Meaning throughout an automation, you're looking for certain behaviors or lack of behaviors and you're changing your messaging in real time. You're personalizing it. You're really creating multiple different paths that someone can go down. So each email they get from you is more relevant than the last. And there's a lot of different strategies that you can use, a lot of different technological aspects that you can leverage to do that. But at its core, I would say when you start to get more advanced, it's thinking about how can I make it so the longer someone's on my list, the more relevant everything I send them becomes. It scares me a little bit <laughs> because when you <laughs> start talking about the technological aspects and stuff like that, I think that's where, you know, I've even been in the back of my active campaign. That's the host that I use. And I've tried to use things like goals and triggers, and it's, it's not as easy as it looks. So you know, for someone who's wanting to dip their toe in the water with some more advanced strategies, where do you recommend that they start first? Definitely. Um, so really, again, kind of going back to our first discussion, I always find it most useful to first look at the kind of 30,000 foot view because it's so easy to get lost in the technology and the tactics, the, the things that feel like there's a million options because then how do I choose and how do I know what to do and am I doing it right? But if we pull back again to the overarching strategy, it helps us at least prioritize. Because one, one mistake that I do see people making is thinking that, well, if they're going to start automating, they need to automate everything. And so it just turns into this really kind of like Frankenstein system very quickly, where all the pieces don't really fit together. And then instead of getting you know, something consistently working, everything is kind of potentially broken. <laughs> and that's where it gets most overwhelming. But if we pull back again, uh, one thing that we mentioned in the first discussion is the idea of making sure that it's the right message to the right person at the right time. And to be able to do that, the way that I think about it is everyone who's on your list is interested, at least in a general way, in you, your business, your content. But I like to break that down and say, okay, well, imagine if you were at a conference, right? And anyone at the conference, let's say it's a marketing conference. Well, they're all there to learn about marketing. But then you have different breakout rooms where maybe one room is talking about SEO, a different one is talking about pay-per-click, another one is email marketing. So everyone at the conference is generally interested in marketing, but then there's specific interests. Well, your email list, I like to think about it in the same way. How would you break those people up into these little different breakout rooms where the messaging is going to be different? It's going to be more relevant to their interests because no matter what your business is, you can probably think about the different groups within your list that are more interested in one thing than another. And that could be maybe slightly less around the topic and it could be their experience level or it could be the way they frame that problem. So it doesn't have to just be around the topics, but you would speak to different groups in a meaningfully different way. And anytime you would have a different type of message you'd want to put in front of somebody, whether it's the difference between a beginner or someone who's more advanced, or maybe it's somebody who's interested more in one topic versus a different topic, if it would be more relevant to pull those people aside and speak to them differently, that's where you think about segmentation on your email list. And you can do that, of course, without automation, even just generally with the broadcast emails you send out. But this is really where the magic starts to come in is when you can define those groups and then start to build your automations to serve each of those different interests or those different segments more personally, then that's running 24 seven. You just focus on bringing people into your brand through things like social media and podcasting and where you can kind of gather that attention. And then when you bring them onto your list, as I mentioned, it just starts to get more and more personalized and more relevant with every email that you send out. So that's why I say like, start with the top level, think about meaningful segmentation. Because you, you could chop your list up into a lot of different ways that maybe sound good or it sounds important, but it doesn't really actually make much of a difference. And so another thing we mentioned in the first call, not to keep going back to that, but it is an important episode to listen to, is if you were to imagine if somebody was sitting across the table from me, how would I coach them? How would I help them? That's another great frame of reference for thinking how you should automate. Because again, that's, that's where I started. 
when I first started out in automation, it was literally trying to create kind of an AI coach almost just delivered through email was how can I take what I learn about somebody and make sure that every time they click something or they don't click something, I'm learning. So I send an email and part of the goal of that email is for me to learn more about them. And that's where we really are able to do this with automation. So before I ramble and go like too deep down how we actually do that, um, that's one of the most powerful factors here is to understand the strategy generally, like what are the meaningful groups of people on my list I want to speak to? And then how do I determine which of those groups they're in so I can frame that journey for each of them separately? Honestly, it's so impressive how you can just sort of give us that overview. And it just sounds like, you know, you've been doing this a really long time, I'm sure, but <laughs> you really sound like you know what you're talking about. So I can't wait for us to dive into some of these strategies. But before we do, there was something that you said that was a couple things actually, but one thing that you said really I'll touch on here is the idea that you're trying to learn about your customer or your potential customer or client. And I think that's not something I'd really thought about before, to be quite honest about yeah, I'm a data person. Anyone who works with me knows that I like to refer back to the data, but I guess I just, I didn't really see it as leveraging it in terms of that whole getting to know you kind of thing. And and maybe that sounds weird, but it just really hit me when you said that, that it's not just about pushing out information. You're taking in information about them. It's not a, necessarily a two-way conversation unless it turns into one, but there's so much you can learn about a person just by where they navigate in your email. So thanks for, for mentioning that because that really adds that whole extra layer about it being about the customer and not just about the sale. And I think mm -hmm. that's, that's where it hit me the most. I'd like to know before we get into your strategy, like, how do you start? Like, do you use pen paper? Do you map it out on a whiteboard? Like what's your process when you're designing automation? I've noticed that everybody has a really different approach for this. Um, for me, it's absolutely drawing it out. And there's a software that I use and cannot imagine living without now called Whimsical. And it's just a fantastically simple, but really user-friendly um, flowchart slash mind mapping slash notes kind of tool. It's, it's pretty dynamic actually, but uh, I, just, I just like to map it all out really neat and simple because again, when you see it from that kind of top level view, you start to see big gaps. And the way that I like to map it out is actually from low friction to high friction. And what I mean by that is what is the amount of effort it's going to take for somebody to complete this stage? So for example, for getting somebody to opt into my email list, that's probably the lowest friction, lowest effort thing that I can ask them to do. It's really just you're opting into the email list. I'm going to send you an email once a week or whatever it is. That's not too much. If they're generally interested, they're probably going to do it. But if I want them to attend a live webinar and then, you know, go through a specific training and do all this, well, that's a lot more time and commitment on their end. They have to show up on a specific day at a specific time. They have to be there for an hour. They have to maybe complete some work or whatever it is. That's much more high friction. So as I just start to map all these things out, it really shows me like, what am I asking of my audience, of my prospects, my customers, my students, whatever it is. And that extends all the way through their entire life cycle from the point they first meet you to the point that they purchase your course to the point that they start going through the curriculum. If we always think about when I'm mapping out this journey, one thing I need to pay attention to is how much effort is every single stage that I'm asking them. Because again, like we want it to feel frictionless. You know, a lot of the best customer experiences that we have with any business, it's because every stage just seems to seamlessly flow into the next. You don't actually even recognize necessarily that you might be moving down a customer's journey because everything makes sense. It's congruent. And that's really the beauty of when this is very well thought out is that all of the effort that you've put into creating these kind of strategic plans, they don't experience that. To them, it feels like one cohesive journey. And so when I start mapping it out, again, whether you write it down on the back of a napkin, whether you use some software like that, those are the main touch points I start with is what are the main steps they need to go through to not only become a customer, but what are the steps they need to go to, to be successful as a customer with me? 
a lot of people drop off. They have the funnel, the funnel focus, and they think, oh, once I get the sale, then that's the end of my responsibility. It's kind of the opposite, actually. You need to continue that journey and think all the way through, okay, now that they've converted, that's a different stage where, honestly, their expectations are even higher. Now, what are the touch points? What do they need to do? Where might they get stuck? How can I reduce the friction and the effort so that at every single stage, they're still making progress? So I know that was like a little bit more than the question of just how do I map it? But again, the way that I map it is to first list those out and then beneath each of those. So if that's kind of like the first level or the first tier of what I'm mapping out is what are those steps they need to take? Then beneath those, I start to think of, okay, what's the transformation? And it can be a small transformation or a big transformation. What are the transformations that need to occur for them to be prepared for the next step? So for example, if somebody just joins your email list, there's probably things that need to happen before they're ready to spend $3,000 on your course. There's trust that needs to be built. There's results they need to achieve. They might not be at the right stage for your course, right? Like if it's how to scale your course, but they don't even have a course yet. Well, that first transformation might be to start generating ideas for a course. It might be going in looking at what kind of expertise do I have? How do I know what's, what's going to work? And then the stage after that might be, okay, well, the next transformation they need is to actually go and outline you know, a, a course and start to actually put some meat on the bone of this. Each of these transformations become much more obvious when you start to see those major steps and touch points. And like I said, always starting at that full kind of 30,000 foot view just starts to make it very obvious where we're having these big gaps or these big jumps. And to me, that's, that's more important than actually going through and taking that funnel map and turning it into the actual, you know, automations and everything, because Again, I would way rather have somebody who starts to map this process out and then realizes, oh my gosh, I could actually just improve my business model or improve my content strategy. And that's more impactful than even starting to automate everything right now. It's like, let me, let me figure out a better customer journey, then start to automate that process. Does that make sense? Absolutely makes sense. I think too, what I have noticed about what you're saying, and I think I mentioned this in the episode just before this is when you're talking outcomes and you know you're you're talking about knowing what they need and when they're going to need it that's really what good curriculum design is right mm -hmm. it's all the same thing and so i know that you know you mentioned too just becoming a customer isn't is just part of the beginning stages, right? And then the expectations go up, whether that's, you know, a small product that they've purchased from you or it is your high ticket course. Um, I really just like everything that you're saying here in terms of using email and leveraging it as a tool to really support not only your success, but their success and your ability to continue building that relationship together. Well, let's dive into some of the customer onboarding and retention, because I actually think that is very underutilized and it'll show you a lot of the different ways that you can think about advanced automation. Because again, a lot of the same strategies and tactics that we use to help activate and retain a new customer are the same types of things that we can do before they become a customer. Because again, it comes back to the fact that good automation is about listening, right? We want to kind of look for that raised hand, which is in the form of a click or an open or a reply or any of the things that we can track. So I'll give you an example of, of one of my clients who uh, it's a real estate ed education company. And so they have courses and certifications and continuing, continuing education, a lot of different things they offer all around people transitioning into a career in real estate. And so there's a lot of factors that make this both a fantastic opportunity, but a difficult one because they're really attracting a lot of people that are transitioning from a different career. So this is somebody who might already have a busy nine to five job and they often have kids and a lot of responsibilities. So they're trying to fit this in, in their spare time, which again, that's it's a really challenging thing for people to try to transition to a new career. So going through this really structured curriculum and a lot of live classes and things like that, that they have to attend can be difficult to activate and retain those people once they sign up. And so for them, an example of a lot of the different automations that we leverage is first, we know that activation is incredibly important. And we say activation, that means after somebody purchases, how do we get them using the product successfully, going into the course, making progress, attending the lessons? Because if they don't ever start using it, then we can never help them be successful. And you're going to have more refunds, or at least you're not going to get nearly as many positive reviews and referrals, like things that we really need to grow a business successfully and profitably. 
So with that being one of the first focuses is again, I like to think, well, if this person was sitting across from me, like what would I try to do to get them activated? Well, I'd probably try to figure out where they're struggling. I'd keep an eye on them to make sure that they're logging in and making progress. If they get stuck, I'd try to offer them solutions and you know, the same kind of thing you would do if you're coaching somebody. But the beauty of automation is with a lot of different course platforms, you can integrate your email marketing into the other software. So it tracks it automatically. So in our case, we've integrated the course software with the email marketing software. And as soon as they join and sign up for the course, automatically a seven day countdown timer starts and it's waiting to see, have they logged in and completed those initial onboarding lessons within seven days. And if the seven day timer hits and they have not logged in and completed those onboarding uh, videos, then automatically an email goes out and says, Hey, notice that you haven't been able to log in yet and start doing some of the lessons. This is where we see some people get stuck. And then we kind of offer some solutions and really relate to them, not try to make them feel guilty because of course that doesn't work. We actually normalize it because the last thing that we want to do is make people feel like they're the odd one out. They're struggling. They're unique that they're not going to be able to make it work. And so we'll have something go out and say, Hey, you know what? A lot of people start to struggle early on because life gets really hectic and it's really busy. But actually one of the benefits of the way this program is structured is that you can do it in only five to 10 minutes a day. In this first video, you're going to see the most effective ways we've seen our busiest students be able to incorporate this into their lives. Is so that first email also makes them feel like, oh, okay, well, this isn't just me. And then we give them a solution right away. And then again, maybe we can wait another seven days, see if they log in. If they don't, then maybe we follow up with an actual personal outreach from customer support. And so we're kind of being able to automate a lot of these steps here where hopefully we can reactivate them automatically just through these emails going out, providing some extra resources or, or some extra support. And then if need be, maybe we fall back onto more of a manual outreach. And you can see how this same type of thing might apply before somebody becomes a customer where maybe it's that they attend a webinar and it's a sales webinar to get them into your course. And you have an automatic email that goes out if they watch the webinar, but don't purchase. And maybe if they go through that, then you'd follow up with a personal outreach. The same, the same type of strategies can apply on both sides for different purposes. So that's kind of what I always think about as like that first nudge, right? I usually refer to it as kind of like, this is our, our onboarding nudge. Can we get them to, to take that first action? But then beyond that, where we start to get more nuanced is if you think about different stages throughout your course, where maybe there just is more inherent friction, there's certain lessons that might be more difficult than others. There might be certain worksheets or processes they need to go through where you just know, yeah, this is where people drop off because it does take work. Well, if you know that typically occurs around, let's say lesson five, well, what you might have then is let's say you integrate your course and you say, okay, when somebody hits lesson four, I want to be able to start sending certain emails out to them that prepare them for the challenge of what's coming ahead. I want to normalize it. I want to get them motivated, inspired, help them prepare. If they need to set extra time aside, then maybe, you know, help them do that in the week before they hit that lesson. So that way it doesn't come as a surprise. These are all things, again, if you were like coaching somebody one-on-one, -on -one, you probably try to do that in your one-on-one -on -one coaching, but you can also automate that. There's so many stages like this that you can start to think of when you know the customer journey. And there's times where you might use incentives. So for example, again, with this client, there's 20 lessons total for them to complete this certification. And when they hit lesson 18, just to inspire them to like get across the finish line and finish the course, when they hit lesson 18, we actually have a, a 48 hour discount go out for that final exam. So they can save money on registering for that final exam so that you're so close. You don't want to drop off quite yet. Hey, just, you know, as a celebration that you've made it almost right to the end here, then we have a triggered email that goes out that gives them a, a discount on registering for that final exam. So that way they just give that little extra push to finish it up. These are the types of triggers and things that you can think about in advance that once they're set up, you don't have to think about it anymore. This is just automatically going to happen for every student. It's pre-planned. All of the integrations and the triggers are set. They're good to go, but it just makes it so much more robust on the student side because you've thought about these touch points. You can build out as many or as few as you need, but the beauty is when you think about this in advance, it really does allow you to put the right message in front of the right person at the right time because you've thought about it, you've developed it, and now it's running 24 seven. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> um, and, and actually it's very inspiring because to be able to, to 
kind of have this process that you're mapping out and, and really just giving us those little tips. It, do, it doesn't feel nearly as scary to me to do it, but I think it still sounds like it's takes some thought. You need to be really reflective and you need to know, you know, your avatar, or your client really, really well, I think in order to make this work. Although, like you said, you're learning about them through all of these experiences that you're offering them and the level of support and things. But from someone who's a teacher by trade, who really values that sort of connection with students in a course, whether that be in an online course or a face-to-face -face course, I think you really sort of hit that nail on the head around sort of continuing to engage. And I loved how you use the word activate because, you know, we need to activate the learning, but they need to take some kind of action initially to kind of help build up their own muscle to get them going. So we all need a little kickstart every once in a while. <laughs> so um, that's great. You, you mentioned that there's no sort of magic number or, you know, you could have it as long or as short as you want, like, or I think you used the word touch points. What is there at any point in time where this isn't worth your effort or is, is anything better than nothing? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And I would say I do see people prematurely automate. And here's what I'll say about that. If you have no real understanding of your audience, or you're just like really, really not sure what they need, you're at those very, very early stages of figuring out who you serve and how to help them, then automation might not be the answer for everything. I usually say automate what works, right? Like have some sort of proof that you know this is going to be helpful before you automate it. Now, that being said, certain things I would say you pretty much always want to automate. Like you want to have a welcome series. You want to have a post-purchase series, a few basic things like that, where no matter what, when somebody enters your email list, that's your one chance to at least get to welcome them on, kind of tell them more about yourself, the brand, how you can help them. Uh, that much, hopefully, at least you're, you're confident in, in your business. And then if they do purchase from you, you want to be able to follow up and make sure that part's a good experience. A lot of the other uh, touch points, I would say, um, as you learn about your audience, start to take the things that you learn from being on calls with them, from chatting with them in DMs or from support emails or whatever you hear and listen for where they're getting stuck. One thing that I did when I would come in and help different startups start to map out this process is, is to talk to their support team. And I would say, okay, look, where do you find that you're just like copying and pasting the same responses a lot? Where do you feel like there's a lot of redundancy? where there's the same points of confusion, there's the same sticking points or anything that feels like, okay, this is common. If we know it's popping up again and again, it's a reason. There's maybe we left something out and didn't educate or inform them early enough, or maybe our marketing before they get onto the email list was confusing and the expectations weren't clear. Any of those kinds of things, I think give you a really good starting point to say, a clear way of finding gaps in the customer journey is either where somebody drops off right? So if you find, wow, there's like a huge attrition rate at this stage of the process. And again, what that can be, you can look at industry averages. I mean, that's not always perfect, but if you say, okay, well, industry average is that I should be getting, you know, 3% of people opting into my email list here and I'm at 1%. Well, maybe that's a sign that that part is specifically lacking. Or again, looking at your course, right? And you find, wow, half of the people are dropping off after lesson three. Like what, what's going on here? What do I need to figure out? So I would say that that's when you're looking at those touch points and kind of figuring that part out, focus on the most high leverage things first. You don't have to automate everything, but you know, look for the significant aspects of what you can learn just by talking to your audience, by watching what they do. Again, if you're creating a course, it's most likely because you've had some manual experience, whether it's consulting or coaching or doing it in corporate or whatever it is, you probably have a lot of experience with that before you just build the course around it. So maybe think back to those experiences that you've had as well and try to pay attention to, okay, where did I really have to like help somebody across the finish line or where did they need the most support from me? And the same thing very likely will apply in similar instances in your course as well. So the other thing I wouldn't overlook is the fact that good automation allows you to collect information. It doesn't have to just be about speaking. And so this kind of, kind of transition into another strategy here as well, uh, which again, can apply for this question you asked and just strategically how to use automation 
which is the fact that you can collect information in the form of clicks. So in pretty much every email automation software, every link that I put in an e email, I can have that apply specific tags to that contact record when they click it. Or when they click that link, I can have it trigger another follow-up email that comes out afterwards. Each of those things allow me to start seeing what are the interest levels? Who am I speaking to? How can I start to personalize this messaging? So in a very simple example, let's say that when somebody joins your email list, that first email that comes out, you might ask them, hey, just to make sure that I'm giving you the most relevant content, which of these more applies to you? And you can have two links. One could say, I'm brand new to course creation and I don't have a course yet, or I have a course and I'm just trying to get more sales. And depending on which link they click, I can apply a tag to their record and then have the rest of that welcome series be more tailored towards what they just told me. If they said they're a beginner, well, maybe the next five emails I send out are my best blogs and video content around how to come up with ideas for a course. But if they clicked I'm advanced, I don't wanna send them down that welcome series because that's not gonna be relevant enough for them. I'm gonna tag that, uh, that contact and then send them down a different branch in the automation specialized for more advanced uh, course creators. But I can continue to do that at multiple stages of the funnel. I can ask a question, I can provide a link, and then depending on what link they click, I've now learned something about them. And one thing that I really like about that is you'll start to find out if maybe you've misjudged who your audience is, because you might say, oh, I think I've got pretty good 50-50 split of beginners and advanced. And then you see, wow, okay, 90% of people are clicking the beginner stuff here. Maybe I really need to focus a little bit more on the beginners rather than creating so much content for advanced or, you know, the other way around. And it's certainly not just about beginners and advanced. You know, what, another thing that I, that I like to use this for is when I have a content creator or someone selling a course, but they have a range of different topic areas that they discuss because sometimes you have people that come in and they, they might not care about every different topic area. So let's say you had uh, a, a high level marketer that talked about all sorts of different marketing strategy, kind of like the conference we talked about. Well, you might have people that come in to say, Hey, you know what? Like I'm not, I'm just not interested in YouTube. Like I'm not going to start a YouTube channel, but I really like their information around Instagram, right? Like that's a channel I'm going to talk about. Well, then it might be relevant for that person to not continue to send that subscriber all of their YouTube guides and, you know, how to, how to create the perfect thumbnails and all this, because that's not going to be relevant to that person. But if that person is clicking on all of their content around Instagram marketing, maybe I should start sending this person more information about Instagram and how they can leverage that in their business. Well, all of that can be done through automation by just paying attention to what people are clicking on. If someone is never clicking on your YouTube content, but they, they click on Instagram every time you put that out, then maybe I want to apply what's called a lead score. And we can get more in, in depth than that if we want to, but maybe I want to start applying basically a score to this person that says every time they click on one of these topics, I'm going to start to build this profile about what they're most interested in. And if this person has a much higher score on Instagram, because that's everything they're clicking on, well, I can trigger certain automations from that once they hit a hundred points on, on the Instagram topic. Okay. Well now I'm going to put them into a certain sequence that might try to sell my course from the perspective of how it can help them grow their Instagram channel. And that might not be the only thing they teach in the course, obviously, but that's the most relevant angle when I position that offer to my audience. Does that kind of make sense? It does make sense. I haven't heard about lead scoring. So you offered to share a little bit more about that. Yeah, we can so dive in. If we can dive into that, that would be great. Okay, this is, this is where we start to get fun. And I'll, I'll try not to get too nerdy on it, um, but I think it's a really interesting strategy. And, and it's not actually that complex. You can make it very complex, but we'll give some simple examples. So with lead scoring, the idea is that every action someone takes, we can apply a certain number of points. And it sounds kind of like, like gamifying it, which you sort of are. But what it allows us to do is say, not every action is created equal. So for example, someone opening an email is probably not as meaningful as when somebody clicks in an email. And someone signing up for a webinar might be much more significant than them just signing up for your newsletter. Right? All of these different actions that they take, you can start to gauge, okay, how how much of an impact or how much effort is this taking so that I can say, wow, this person is really engaged or they're very interested in this topic. Now with that, 
Here's, here's a simple example going back to the different topic areas. One of my clients had one course. It was only one course that he was selling, but he had four main buckets of content. So every time he was creating a blog or a video, it was within one of these four different buckets. One sometimes it was more motivational or inspirational. Sometimes it was more on like the technical aspect. Sometimes it was more on the business aspect. Another time it was more creative. I believe those were the, the four buckets. And so every time he sat down to create content, he knew it was one of those buckets. And every week he would cycle through and create a different piece of content for one of those main buckets. But his audience wasn't always interested in every single one of those. Some people didn't really care about the business side. They were just very interested in, in you know, how he did it, the technical side or uh, the creative side. Other people were like, no, I've got that locked down. I'm, I'm good on the technical. I just want to know how you build a business around this. Either way, all of those things were addressed in his course. So the course was relevant for everybody. But if every time he talked about the course, he mentioned everything that was involved, well, people are going to see the other things that don't feel relevant to them, which is going to make the course feel less valuable because, oh, well, there's these other parts that I just, I don't really need that. So it's going to feel like the course is a little bit of a waste, right? So we need to position it in a way that shows, no, this is perfect for you. Like this is exactly what we address in the course. So part about this personalization is excluding things that are less relevant to them. So we make it hyper relevant and personalized. So what we would do is every week we had automated newsletters that would go out and I cycled through each of those different content areas. So in week one, the newsletter that would go out would be around business. In week two, the newsletter that would go out would be around motivation or inspiration. In week three, it was about the creative in week four. So we would cycle through those each week. And the way I would set up that lead score is, okay, if the first newsletter that goes out is linking to a piece of content around business strategy, if they click that, then I'm going to add 10 points to their lead score around the business interest. The next week, if I send out one around motivation, and then if they don't click anything, well, they got no score for that. The next time business comes up, they click it again. Okay, now they have 20 points or 50 points. The points you can kind of decide. But the point, the, the point, <laughs> pun intended, is that I'm building this like personalized understanding of every single person. And so what we did in that case was we said, okay, when somebody hits 50 points for any specific topic, that's going to trigger an automation where the next three emails they get are only on that topic. So if they hit a lead score of 50 points for business, now I pause the regular newsletters and I trigger an automation where every single email is going to build more value around business and it's going to push them towards his webinar from the angle of how it can help them with the business side, because the webinar is then going to help sell them on the course, right? And it's going to position everything, but I need to get them to take the next step and make it as relevant as possible. Now, again, this is where the magic comes in. If they did that same thing and instead of business, it was around the creative side. Well, the same sequence occurs, except now the next three emails they get are all around the creative and it's showing them, here's why you should join the webinar, because we're going to be talking about how you can master the creative elements of it. So it's the same next step. They're all showing up to the webinar. He doesn't have to have four different webinars necessarily, but it's saying, this is why it's relevant to you and why you should join us. And I can tell you that the engagement that you see when you're able to do that is so much higher because you're making it feel like this is exactly what I need. And again, they don't know this is what you're doing. It just feels on their end like, oh wow, every email is nailing it. Like every time I open an email, it's like, it's better, it's better. It's more, more relevant, it's more helpful. And again, it's just putting a little bit of forethought into how do I set this up so that every click I'm paying attention to, I'm, I'm honoring them. It's more permission-based marketing saying, okay, if you clicked on this, that's raising your hand. You're saying, okay, tell me more. And then I just take them a little bit further, a little bit further and make sure that I'm kind of really giving them everything they need to be successful. Amazing. I'm sitting here thinking in the last episode that we recorded together, I referred to myself reluctantly as a beginner, even though I've been kind of messing around in the back and, and things. But I think this just reminds me more of just how much of a beginner I really am because my first instinct would be if somebody wasn't, if people weren't really sort of clicking on something, I would probably just abandon that bucket altogether. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I'm like, right. this is such a smarter strategy. 
and it, you gain so much more insight and it still gives you permission to recognize that those buckets are equally valuable, but you just need to know who needs what pieces of information at what time. And I really love how you said getting everyone to the same webinar, because that was sort of where my mind was going. Again, reinforcing to myself, I am still a beginner, but the <laughs> permission that you've given me to become more of an advanced user and to really think about how I can leverage leverage this a little bit differently and think differently is just really empowering. So I'm glad I asked about the lead scoring because I've, I've heard it mentioned here and there, but it was, I kind of suspected it was kind of something I would get into like down the line, but this just makes it sound all that more intriguing. So thanks. Well, I'm really glad. To, I'm glad to hear that because I do get excited by it because it is so strategic and it's so valuable when you get it right. And there's, there's one more, area of automation here that I want to bring up that I think is, it's, it's a really like mental shift when you think about it this way, but there's two main types of engagement that we want to look for when we're automating something. There is explicit behaviors and implicit behaviors, right? Explicit is I clicked on a link to tell you I'm interested in something, right? So I might have something at that first email. Like I said, Hey, are you beginner? Are you advanced? Well, by clicking on that, they're basically explicitly telling me, hey, I'm a beginner, tell me more. But there's also implicit, which is where we get to be much more strategic. And this is where my background in psychology, I love so much because I get to nerd out, right? You're really thinking about, <laughs> okay, if they did or didn't do these things, what can I infer? Meaning maybe they didn't objectively tell me this, but it probably means this. And a simple example of that for, uh, that I really like to use is, customizing the frequency that I send out certain emails. So as an example, one of my early clients, I think I mentioned on the first podcast was health and fitness clubs. And so people would join the club and we'd put them into our email onboarding and retention program. And one thing that I built into these automations was to look for how often they were opening these onboarding emails. And then I would shift the frequency that I sent these emails based on how much engagement there was. And this is actually pretty straightforward. So if you don't mind, I'll kind of talk through the way that you set this up in an automation because then it's a little less intimidating. Sure. So what I would do is I would have the first four emails go out over the first about eight days. So there was about two days or so in between each of the initial emails and those went out and it was welcoming them, welcoming them into the club. It was telling them about, Hey, here's how you can use your membership. Here's the resources available. And one of the things that I asked in those first few emails was, Hey, tell us about what your main goal is. Are you here to lose weight? Are you trying to build muscle or just improve your health? Those are the three main areas that, that we found people would fall into one of those buckets. And they could click on any one of those. And at any moment when they clicked on that, it would automatically start to personalize the subsequent emails they were being sent. But I'll come back to that in just a little bit. But over those first four emails, what I would do is once that fourth and final email was sent, I would wait 24 hours and then I have a step in the automation itself that says, if they opened three or more emails, then I put them into the high frequency onboarding beyond that. So if I said, okay, they're opening, you know, 75% of these emails, they're engaged. Well, I should probably keep sending them frequent emails here. They're really enjoying this. If they were only opening two emails or like one or two emails out of the four that I sent, okay, the, they are engaged, but I probably shouldn't be emailing them all the time. So then I would just put them into a low frequency onboarding where I would just kind of strip out the more nice to have information. And I would just send them the essential emails because I know, okay, well, maybe they're not going to read everything I send them, but I do really want them to know about these important things about the club or their membership. And if they didn't open any of those emails, well, then I actually remove them from the onboarding and I put them into a re-engagement automation to say, Hey, look, if you're not interested in receiving these emails, that's totally fine. We can remove you. If you do stay around, here's how we can help. And so there's three different paths that they can go down within that first initial welcome series. And it's immediately getting tailored to them, not based around anything that they told me explicitly, but by me implicitly seeing what their likely preferences are for how often they want me to email them. And it's not that complicated. Again, each of those was really just one it's, it's usually called like a branched logic or an if then statement. So within an automation, you just set up a step that says, if X is this, then Y. So it'd say, if they have opened three or more emails, then 
send them into high frequency onboarding. If not, then look for the next condition. Does that kind of make sense? Total sense. I can totally see why this gets you all um, excited because there's just so many possibilities Mm -hmm. on, on what information you can gather, how you can respond, the journey that you can take people on and just how you can build in that engagement in a, in a way, ways that I hadn't even considered. So I'm sure that if it's helpful for me, it's going to be helpful for many, but yeah, totally makes sense. Well, let me give one more tip here because then I'll slow down. (laughs) This is where I get excited though. So I mentioned in those emails, in the first welcome emails, I would ask them, uh, what's your primary goal? So to lose weight, build muscle, improve your health. Now, when they click that, that click immediately applies a tag to their contact record. So I would know, okay, if they click lose weight, well, the goal is to lose weight. So one thing that I had going out as part of this onboarding was a Tuesday tips email. So every Tuesday, they would automatically start getting a newsletter that provided helpful information and tips for them. Now that newsletter dynamically changes based on what their goal was. So if they selected my goal is to lose weight, well, then that newsletter that comes out on Tuesday, it's going to give them a whole bunch of weight loss tips and strategies. And I'm not going to bother sending them information about the improving health or building muscle, right? I'm going to tailor it towards their interests. But at any point in time, they can change their goal. So this is another like interesting advanced strategy. At the bottom of the email, I would actually have a custom populated section that would say, hey, your current goal selected is fat loss. If you want to change your goal at any point, click here. And they could click and change their goal. So if they decided, you know what? Okay, I'm, I'm good. I've lost some weight. Now I just want to focus really on getting stronger and building muscle. Well, if they would click that, it would then swap the tags. It would remove the fat loss tag and add the build muscle tag. And the next newsletter that went out it would change them over instead of sending them fat loss information. Now it'll start sending information about how to build more muscle. So it's a very dynamic process where at any point, all they have to do is click one button. And now all of the, even the newsletter content that I send out is tailored and personalized to them. That's why I get so excited about this is this club that I'm talking about. I built this for them six years ago and it's still running 24 seven. Oh, wow. Yeah. It reduced, it reduced their cancellations by 30% in the first month. It's six years later, it's still running. They still get replies from these emails all the time, people telling them how helpful it was and, and even embedded within this. Okay, I promise I'll, I'll shut up after this. <laughs> this is another fun part. Within that, I even built in email-based mini courses. So at certain stages, I would gauge and say, okay, like I know they're engaged, they're at this stage of their journey. Well, now I'm gonna send an email out to them where they can opt in for maybe a more advanced uh, habit development mini course. And they can say, Hey, if you really like, you know, want to focus on the next level of understanding what it takes to build, build these habits, click here and we'll start sending you our little habit development mini course over the next five days. They would click that one button that would then put them into another automation for an email mini course. And over the next five days, there would be one email every day that just started to teach them more of the science of habit building. And again, all of this stuff is built one time and then it's in there forever. But on the subscriber side, it just feels like this beautiful, endless, customizable, choose your own adventure type journey where they really get to decide how they interact with you and your brand and how you support them and kind of provide them with this, uh, these additional resources. So now I'll shut up. I just have a million things about automation (laughs) that I think are so exciting. So that was, that was one of the last ones. Well, it is exciting. I think we've all been there though on, on, well, I know we have on the other end where we are receiving emails and you know, we get those questions asked of us. And I guess I hadn't really, I think I kind of knew on some level what was going on, but I, I think you hear a lot of people that get kind of turned off by email because they just feel like they're just flooded with things that they don't need or want, or, or it wasn't what they thought. And, and so I'm just even really in, empowered to even read more carefully the emails I am receiving so that I can see if there's any, any little nuggets in there that give me some control over the information that I'm receiving. And if there isn't, maybe it's just a quick reply that says, Hey, do you have, you know, I'd prefer more information on X. Do you have that? You know, I'd I'd be happy to stay on your list. Like, I I don't know. I think it's, it needs to be a bit more two way than, than we make it, which sort of just leads me to one burning question. And maybe there isn't a easy answer for this. You know, a lot of people that choose to use automation, their fear is that it will 
be so automated that it won't feel personal anymore. Even though all the, the strategies that you've been sharing are talking about personalization, right? And making it them so that they receive the information that's most valuable to them. Is there any, any tips that you can give? I always wonder even about how those emails are started. Like, you know, do you say, Hey, and use the first name tag or do you like, I don't know. I'm just kind of grasping at straws here because mm-hmm. it's a worry of my own. And I know I've heard it from others that once they step into the water of using automation that people are going to be turned off because it'll feel too automated. I absolutely love that concern and that question because that is one of the things that I have for sure seen people get nervous about. And honestly, when you understand automation, you're able to be far more personal, not less personal. And think about it. it. It makes sense because the idea of good automation is to listen. So more than you would ever be able to do personally, you can think ahead. Like I mentioned with these initial onboarding emails, you can tell me exactly what you're interested in. And I can make sure that I filter out the parts that are less relevant because you would not be able to do this at scale. Anyways, you're not going to send five different variations of every newsletter that you send out based on that. Like there's so much work. It's so involved that I I promise you when you think ahead with this, you absolutely can make it more personalized. Now, I think what some people do is they mistake automation for meaning that the messaging that I send out is going to feel impersonal. Mm -hmm. And that part is completely, completely up to you in the way that you write those emails. I promise that you have received emails that you thought were sent manually that were actually automated. And those are the best types of emails. When you get an email that you think is written personally to you, but it was actually automated. I mean, that's pretty dang good job on the automator (laughs) side then. And there are tips and tricks where how you can even do this. So for example, sometimes, I mean, people know when there's marketing emails and that's okay. As long as the marketing email is still very relevant to them, it doesn't really matter if it's automated or not. But there are certain times, for example, where I want a reply from someone. Sometimes I want a reply because they are very engaged and I think this is a really hot lead. Okay. I want this to be like a one-to-one type email. Other times it's because they're very disengaged and I want to be able to follow up with them in a more human way. And one way that I can do that is let's say that all of my emails that typically go out through automation have my header logo up there. I might have a little bit of branding, some colors, you know, a little bit more organization or design in the email. Well, I can still automate an email where I strip all of that out and it's just plain text. And so it looks exactly the way that somebody would send me an email from a friend. You know, there's no fancy formatting or imagery. It's just a plain text email that comes in. Well, I can still automate that. And usually when I send that out, um, what I'll do is I might even change the from name slightly, or, you know, I I might have that come out with uh, a really basic subject line instead of, you know, more of a marketing subject line. It might just say like, Hey, in all lowercase, you know, no punctuation, just something that really makes them kind of want to click because it feels like it's from a friend. So again, there's a lot of reasons that I would say the authenticity of your automation comes down to how you frame the messaging itself, whether it was sent from an automation, whether it was literally a one-to-one email that you send out, you'd still have to understand the reason that you're sending it. And then the message itself, like the copy in the email is what makes it feel human or not. I, I always recommend being conversational. There's some industries where of course you don't want to lean too conversational, but generally for course creators, you are part of the product. Like the way that you speak, the way you teach your personality, that's part of what you're selling. And so try to retain that in your emails and they'll all come across more authentic. Now, the, the caution of course is don't over automate. If you're worried that it's going to come across and be inauthentic, mostly I would say it's probably because you don't fully know your audience yet, because if you're really in touch with them and very in tune, you probably can automate a lot of these touch points and really nail it. But if you're worried that eh, it's going to come across like I'm, I'm not listening, then it's probably going to be more a question of relevance because the way that would feel automated is if they're getting a whole bunch of emails that feel like you're not listening. Mm. And so again, that's why I would say focus on making sure you know what those main touch points are, making sure you personalize it based on what they click or what they don't click so that you're kind of both explicitly and implicitly listening to them, making it more relevant and test it. I mean, if you, you literally can just watch the metrics and if you say, wow, okay, most of my emails are getting 
you know, a 40% open rate. And then after this email, it drops off and now I'm at 20%, 10%. Okay. Well, what happened there? Well, why did that drop off? Did I totally change my tone? Like, did I jump into a, a sales email and all of a sudden I felt kind of sleazy or slimy? Like what, what happened in here? Why they dropped off? And you can learn by doing it. One thing I always caution people is don't try to guess about what's going to work or what's not going to work. Like try it and go look and see what the data says. Because I'll tell you, there have been times where I wrote what I thought was this amazing, beautiful email at the perfect subject line. And it was so helpful. I thought everybody was going to love it and didn't get great engagement. And then other times I threw something together really quickly and it just hits and people absolutely loved it. And I got replies back saying how helpful it was. So we, we can't always guess or gauge exactly how something's going to perform. Put it out there and listen and see what the actual response is. And that's how you're going to tell whether or not it's aligned, if it feels over automated. Uh, I, I always say, make sure you're, you're kind of learning by doing in that case. That's great. That makes me feel so much better. And, you know, I think so many of us worry about this. So you've just given us some really great tips. I think conversational is definitely the way to go. That's one of the things that I often um, have shared with my students when we're even thinking about onboarding and all of those things, like bring yourself to the conversation because you're the one that they're going to be learning from and engaging with. So, so much great stuff. And I'm so glad we decided to do the beginner and then the more advanced strategies because we've covered a lot of ground. And, you know, like I said, I'm pretty empowered and inspired to kind of go and, and start playing a little bit differently or at least thinking differently and then having to move myself into some kind of action. Before we wrap up, where can people find you and learn more about you and how you can potentially help them with their email? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so if you go to makeemaileasy.com, obviously my goal is to try to make this whole thing easier. <laughs> and so on there, you'll find some re free resources about how to start thinking about putting together more of these personalized automations. Uh, you'll also find the email made easy system, which is really everything that I've learned over years and years of running an email marketing agency distilled down into formulas, frameworks, and templates. So you can kind of basically set up your entire email marketing automation system, uh, just plug and play. It shows you how to customize it exactly towards your goals, your business, your audience. And that way, the truth is not everybody wants to have to learn everything about email marketing. They just want a system that works. And so realizing that as much as I can nerd out about this stuff, some people just want to put it into place and watch it start to run on autopilot to free up their time. And so that was my intention was to help free up some of the burden and the overwhelm of feeling like, ah, you know what? I don't have the skills. Maybe I don't fully understand how to actually implement or apply this. And honestly, a lot of people just do not like the technological side. Then that's where having just the templates where you can copy and paste, have the automations ready to go without feeling like you have to be an automation wizard. Uh, it can really free up a lot of the headaches and give you something that you already know works. It can give you the confidence to say, if I just focus on creating good content, then my audience is just going to be able to kind of come into my world. And I know they're getting the, the personalized, helpful experience that I want them to have. So you can find all that at makeemaileasy.com. And if you have any questions, you can absolutely email me. You'll find my contact information on there. Um, I love talking about this stuff, as you can see. So hopefully we didn't go too deep down the rabbit hole to scare people away. I promise it can be, it can be much simpler and easier than this when you first get started with it. But I think it'll, it'll probably get its hooks into you when you realize how fun automation is when you understand the strategy of it. And I'm absolutely here to help with that however I can. Oh, that's great. I can see that this just lights you up. I mean, you, people can't hear you smiling through the microphone. I can guarantee like your eyes, your face, everything. So you can just tell that this is a real passion of yours and, and you know, you're marrying it with your psychology background, which I think is for some of us, even though we might know the technical aspects of automation, I think what you bring is that real understanding of human behavior and how people engage and what makes people tick and gets people taking action. So I think that's super um, needed in the space and definitely probably a benefit for uh, those of us that are willing to learn more from you. So thanks so much. Just really appreciate you being here. Well, thank you for having me. This was really fun. I, I love a good excuse to, to nerd out on this. <laughs> so I hope it was helpful and uh, absolutely happy to talk about this more anytime. All right. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you.